Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joe will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you can let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. No, I'm just really excited to to build on probably some stuff that you might have already touched on in your, your last conference, really. But I'm curious what your thoughts are when when you look at this topic around scripted sort of sessions. Because I think for anyone listening, it's what does that session plan look like and who should it be for? Because, you know, for me, everything we design should be for who's in front of us, right? The players are in front of us. But we've also got to make sure that we're not wedded to just that plan. Because we've got to coach what's in front of us. Because if it changes or we need to adapt, which will be the case, we're not adapting because progression two says I should do this, that I should progress from this to this. But we're actually progressing or de-progressing. We're making it more challenging or less challenging based on the needs of the players. Um, We move at the speed of the players versus only at the speed of the session plan. And I think that can be a danger sometimes. I don't know if that's where you're going with it, where, you know, you've got these session plans, but coaches literally coach what's on the plan instead of what's in front of them. Yeah, definitely. I think there's two there's two parts that come out for me in this one. Um, just linking into what you said there, it's moving at the speed of the of the participants. I think that's such a key one because I think what happens with, with a lot of coaches that I've observed is They've got their goals. They've got their they've got their plans. They've got their their practices that they want to go through, and that's what they're going to go with, regardless of what. And it's almost like, well, hold on a second. How much of how much of that is actually what the players need? How much of that is actually where the players are at currently? And how much of that is what you want? Um, and then you know, if it is what you want, that's not to say that it's a bad thing. It's almost like, well, if that's what you want, how much support have you given the players in terms of how to actually get there? You know, I'll give an example. I've seen it so many times where a coach has got an outcome that he's looking for or she's looking for and it's very much around, right, I want to see you do this and everything that comes out from that convers- you know, that session and in terms of interaction is around them wanting to do this. So as an example of that, it might be, right, I, I, I want to see you, you know, play a pass that, go- that, that, that splits the opposition defenders as an example. And literally everything that you ask the players to do in that case becomes, right, can you split the defenders, put it through the defenders, put it through I want I want to see you put it, in fact I'm going to give you more points because you put it through the defenders and it's like that's all well and good however just be conscious that when we're driving home a message like that, are we now detracting them 
from the other decisions that they could be making and possibly should be making in those moments, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And obviously you're touching on multiple things there, right? Not just in terms of session design, but also the feedback or the information that coaches share. Because, you know, and that's actually probably an interesting segue into, you know, some of the stuff that we're doing coming up, right, with the webinar and what have you. But how coaches use information or even plan information, design these problems for players to solve, is it's important because it guides the search of the player. So we've got to be careful that we don't impose our perception or our solution upon the player, but instead really tap into what they see and what they what they feel and what they look for. Um, and I think going back to that, you know, delivering scripted sessions where, you know, it could be scripted in the session design in terms of the layout and the structure of the session, as well as what's on paper, the danger then becomes is that it's becoming more around rehearsal and, and I guess, pre-manufactured, but it's perhaps not eliciting opportunities for players to take action on on searching for their own solutions. So if we're, if we're telling them, like you gave a couple of examples there where you, you're saying do this or do that or look for this, look for that, the danger with that could become that we're we're creating potentially we're, we're we're jumping steps versus allowing players to naturally go through those opportunities within a session. I mean, even if we we think about this in the simplest form, I think when you're coaching, I don't know what you think, Yaz. Is I always, whenever I introduce something, I always allow enough time for experimentation because I think the first thing that players are trying to grasp with is what are the rules of the game. Whenever you start any practice, any design, before you've even talked about the challenges, or you might have said, here's the challenge, off you go. There's got to be a clear method of scoring, but what are the rules of the game? The players have to figure that out. Once they've figured that out and they understand what the rules are, then they can probably start to talk about some other stuff and you can start to layer some stuff. But I think sometimes coaches will jump straight into coaching and the players haven't even adapted to the practice design yet. I think you're spot on. I think there's key, there's key bits. With I think first and foremost is making sure that you know they haven't adapted, whether they've adapted to practice or not. Have they actually got clarity on what their practice looks like and why they may be doing it? I think even before you can get to the coaching piece, and even even giving them clarity in terms of understanding the practice, I think I think part of that is actually telling them what we're looking at here, what are we working on? Because that straight away can put their focus around some of the key things that they might consider in relation to that particular theme or outcome, if that makes sense. And I think beyond that, it's also, you know, like you said, leading into the webinar that we're going to be doing next Sunday around effective feedback is how how effective are we as coaches in terms of making sure that that message lands with them? Now, you know, we're going to be talking about feedback in that webinar, but I think it's just communication in general. How clear are the players in terms of what we want? How clear are the players in terms of what we expect? And how clear are we on what their perceptions are? Yeah, completely agree. I mean, clarity, isn't it? Clarity in the message. But again, are we using language that the players understand? You know, people talk about age appropriate. But again, it's important because we might be using certain terms that make absolute no sense to the kids. But we might say, you know, does that make sense? And the kids will go, yeah, or they'll nod. Of course they will. 
that's not checking for understanding. We've got to make sure that we're not, you know, trying to just shout out buzzwords for the sake of it. And equally, the same goes with when we're, we're thinking about the session design. I think when you're delivering any practice, we've got to think about what's the relevance to the players. You know, I'll give a great example of um, a coach recently planned, asked, working with them, send me a session plan, we'll go for it beforehand, and then obviously deliver, and I'll watch them coach and give them feedback. And the session was pitched way too high. For, so they've not taken into consideration. Now, give them a bit of leeway. They were coming in maybe a bit cold on this one. But still, you know, they've not took into consideration the needs of the players. Or even just thinking about, you know, if I've worked with a group, like imagine it was an interview, I'm not going to over-pitch it. It's always better to be really simple and build up. It's easier to build up than it is to to deconstruct down, you know, make it less challenging if you've over-pitched it. And I think as well, simplicity is genius because you can design really simple practices but get a hell of a lot of detail out of them. And we don't have to overcomplicate it. And this coach planned this highly structured session, didn't elicit a lot of decision-making and probably the only one would have been like this 4v4 plus 4 game. But even then, she would have ended up having to spend more time explaining the, 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 the game, the activity, which would have took away time from playing. The kids aren't just at that level. And she was working with U10s and it just wouldn't have worked. Now, if she'd have done that same practice or series of practices with another group, perhaps it could have worked for sure. And I think that's a good point, just thinking about like who we're working with. What are we trying to get out of today? And how can we go with the flow? I think it's interesting you've chosen the language of delivering scripted sessions. What about designing practices or sessions that have got flexibility? Like, where does that come into play? I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but how can we design where there's room so the coach can almost not wing it, but they've got that freedom. What they can spend longer on one practice than another. You know, you might put them into a game, you might play their game for the whole session type of thing. You don't yeah. need to go into the other parts, or you might completely change it onto something else. But do you know what's really key with it? And I think, you know, you make a great point. I think winging it isn't the issue. Winging it is. In my opinion, I think this is really, you know, the way I look at it is winging it's you're, you're delivering something, but you don't really have a clue as to the reasons why you're doing it, what specifically you're trying to get out of it and what you're trying to, uh, and how you're going to basically get that message across. Whereas I think being flexible, adaptable, and if you're like, quote unquote, off the cuff with, with your coaching can be effective and it can work. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think what it also does require, and I think this is where it probably goes amiss sometimes, is you actually need to know your subject. You need to know what it is that you're looking to get out. You need to know enough about it so that when you see it, you can make links to it. Whereas I think the scripted pieces, you know, coaches going into sessions saying, right, this is what I want to see. This is, I'm going to deliver four practices. It's going to be 15 minutes a piece. We've got an hour session. We're going to spend 10 minutes here. Then I'm going to intervene on this part here and that part there, where it's almost like you're going into it like Mystic Meg, as if you're going to, you know, anticipate everything that's going to happen. Which to an extent you should, but you don't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't look at those things as definitives, and 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 you know and absolutes. I think you need to have a good core knowledge around the area that you want to look at in this session. Good core knowledge of, you know, your players and how they interact and how they learn and what what works good, what works well for them and what works best for them based on your experiences. And sometimes not even your experiences. Sometimes how they've how they've actually expressed to you. 
you know, at certain times you might have players actually saying, you know what, I actually really appreciate a demo as an example. I mean, I, it's, it's, it still bugs me a little bit when I see coaches that don't give any players any visuals, whether that be a demo, whether that be some sort of analogies, whether that be some, you know, even half-paced demos or partial demos, if you like, because there's nothing better than seeing it, in my opinion. It doesn't matter what your quote-unquote learning styles are, and even if that, even, even if learning styles are really a thing. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm a big believer in you've obviously, yeah, you've hit a great nail on the head for another topic, haven't you? Like learning styles and all those myths and things. But I think I love to show things visually. I, I like to, I'll often use players as demos. Years ago, when I first started, and probably because me and you came through that sort of continuum of like level two, stop, stand still, and we had to demo everything. As the years gone by now, I very rarely demo now. But if I do every now and then, but typically I'll identify players within the group that are doing something because there's always going to be one. And then I'll use them as that peer-to-peer learning where I've even designed games where it might be, you know, for example, level one, do a skill you know. Level two, um, do the skill against another player and show show a teammate. So then you've got kids peer-to-peer learning, they're showing each other, but they're also trying the skill against each other. And then if you can graduate from that level, so it's a bit like gamification, you can only move up if you've achieved it. Level three, show the coach. Level four, show the group. Level five, invent a new skill. And sometimes I've got to there, sometimes I've not, I've only got around three or whatever. But I like those little ideas of like show a friend, show the coach, whatever, because... You're getting kids to show each other. The simplest way to do it would, of course, you see Yaz has done a pullback or Yaz has done a great decision just to open his hips and let the ball roll across his body. Yaz, can you show the group? Just show, as that ball rewinds, just go back, play that ball in as you did. Brilliant. Everyone, look how Yaz is receiving the body. Now, why is that important? What has that allowed Yaz to be able to do now? And you're going on that discussion with the players. That's another way. I think I completely agree with you. I think they're... Often the danger, we're probably going into coaching interventions really, but the danger becomes that coaches don't provide either enough visuals or enough clarity on what it is that they're trying to achieve. And the ball has got to be rolling. You know, I think in any demonstration, if the ball's static and it's just verbal, blah, 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 that's all the players will hear, blah, 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 play. And they'll hear the play at the end. They won't remember the bits before. They'll switch off. But the minute that ball starts moving, you're visually capturing their attention because we're all gravitated to this ball, aren't we? So we'll look and we'll see what's happening. Um, But again, I think freedom's a a big piece within a session where I think if we're delivering sessions, do we have the confidence in our own knowledge base to be able to go, do you know what, I'm going to stick with this for longer? Or do you know what, I'm going to change this? And actually... Um, even though on my session plan we had this, that's not going to work for today or that's not relevant for today. I'm going to do this. And it comes back to who is in front of us versus just coaching for the sake of coaching what's on the session plan. No, I think it's one. <clears throat> Sorry. And I think one of the key key things that came out from me, so you know, I'll give an example of where this kind of, this conversation really started coming, coming to thought for me was, and it was incredible. I'd seen a coach deliver a session for 90 minutes and try and reinforce one key message. Kept on reinforcing one key message. It was very much about the what he wanted, what he wanted to see. Never much support around the how. 
And then what happened beyond that is it was it, it, the session at the end of it, you know, he sat the players down, went through, you know, like a, like a debrief type um, discussion. And one of the players actually said to him, for the whole session, he didn't, you know, it wasn't verbatim like this, but he basically paraphrasing for the whole session. I don't actually have a clue what you were looking for. And it was, it was, it was mind blowing for me to see that. And I think the coach didn't actually even pick up on that. That's incredible. So, what happened? How did the coach change? Well, <clears throat> the coach, the coach didn't actually recognize that. It's been ninety minutes. You've now been reinforcing this one whole message for the whole session, and now the players literally just said to you, for the whole the whole session, you know, I've heard you say X. I've got no idea what X means. Coach was kind of semi shocked, and it was almost like. The initial uh, reaction of the coach was almost as if, well, you weren't listening properly sort of thing. It's well, well, he's clearly heard what you're saying. He just doesn't understand it. So maybe the responsibility is on you to actually clarify that. And you know, the, the, message, the message I gave to the coach was basically like, you want the players to have clarity on everything that you're saying and you want them to do. However, you've never got clarity on what they're actually perceiving from what you're saying. So without the clarity of what they know, they will never get the clarity of what you want, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I think it's fascinating, but also it opens up another realm, which is how well do we check for understanding? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of a session recently I saw where different activities will require different things. You know, there's times where I'm pretty much boom, 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 and we're playing, you know, 45 seconds or whatever. There might be some times where it's over a minute, I don't want to go into two minutes, but sometimes things might require a bit more explanation. And ideally, you want to get them, you want to have your equipment set up, them in the positions, you want to be able to go and get playing as quickly as possible, right? And then obviously that check for understanding, do a walkthrough. I think walkthroughs are so important where you walk through what's going to happen and how they score, what each roles are for each team, because that's, what will start to happen is players, every time I've done it, they'll always say, oh, they'll put their hand up. Yeah, what, but what happens if I, so if I do this, does that, that's good because now you're getting them asking questions that you probably haven't covered and obviously you've got to know the answer and if you don't, you can say it there and spot, ah, well, if the ball goes out of play there, then what we'll do is we'll restart from here. Okay, good. So you, you're clarifying all these things for the players but I noticed the coach do this recently where, great, She's got the visual, using an iPad, brilliant. But actually, it would have just been clearer just to show it on the pitch. And what ended up happening is that they had to, the same coach had to re-explain it anyway. So they've tried to do fancy with the iPad. They've then gone on. Players still don't get it. So they've had to re-explain on the pitch. And because it maybe because it was too complicated. So for me, I just said, like I would have just done it on the pitch. Now, if it's something that's quite simple or you've maybe done it before or something similar before, perhaps you can use the iPad or you can use a tactics board, you can show them in that way visually. But I think the best learning is when you're feeling it, you know, out on the grass with the bibs on, you can physically see what goals you're attacking. It's clear. But then what you should be doing is cold calling then at times where you're almost like playing done. Ah, but then if I if this happens here, Yaz, where should you be going now? So when you've got that ball now, where's your... We're attacking that goal. Good. 
and you're allowing them to you know confirm the answers. Um, I think that's a, a big one. Analogies you mentioned earlier, I think, is huge. These are all just different tools, though, aren't they? Yes, different tools to to get the message out. But if we're going back to the scripted piece, why is the scripted a big issue for you? What, what is it about delivering scripted sessions that's a major issue? I mean, what well, in short, I mean, you know, if, let me just cover, come back to one of the key things you mentioned earlier. Uh, one of the key things I like to do when I'm actually working with players, and I had this conversation with a coach recently about the idea of using tactics boards. Um, I'm not a massive fan of tactics boards and things like that because people say, yeah, but it's visual. It's a visual reference. Yeah, but nothing's better than actually seeing the real picture. Nothing's better than feeling the real picture. So one of the things I actually often do with players that I work with is if I'm walking them through a demo or, or I'm walking, taking them through a walkthrough of any particular element of the game, I, I literally move them. So I'll literally grab them and move them from left to right, obviously not aggressively, but I literally just guide them through it and you know give them visual kind of references to pay attention to as to when they might do this or when they may need to make this movement or when they may need to do that. Um, and I found that to be incredibly impactful for all the players that I work with because it's almost like, ah, I actually get it. I understand where I need to go. I can feel where I need to go and I can feel when it's when it's right, if that makes sense. But in terms of in terms of your second piece around the scripted, I mean, I think quite simply, the game isn't scripted. Now, I'm also of the mind that, you know, there's only so many things that can exist in the game. There's only so many things that will exist in a game. And I think understanding the game well enough to recognise where the links are, what the consistencies are, what the variables are that, that are interdependent as well as those that are independent. And I think that takes a lot of a, a lot of uh, reflection, reflection, a lot of kind of deeper thinking around, right, what is it that I'm working on today? What are the potential factors that are going to impact or um, affect my ability to perform this action or achieve that outcome? And what are the things that, if they were in place, would allow me to get there? But also, what are the things that, if they were or were not in place, would stop me from getting there? And I think these are the these are the real things that maybe coaches and coaches A need to start to consider. But B, beyond that, if they can consider those things, support their players in understanding those things as well. Whereas I think a lot of it right now around scripted sessions is, well, this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to stick to this script in terms of right this this step of the, this practice into this practice into this practice, and what commonly happens with it is almost, well, coming back to what you said earlier, are we moving at the pace of the players or are we moving at the pace of our session plan? And I think that's a massive, massive challenge for coaches to kind of really overcome and get get past in that. If you're moving to the pace of your session plan, you might never, ever get to uncover some of the real key things that your players really need. But also, if you move into the pace of the session plan, you might be holding back players massively because they haven't done the 15 minutes of your practice that you wanted them to do yet. So this, there's so many little bits that within that, you know, that can be really challenging. That can be really detrimental at times, if, if you like, um, not just for the coaches, but for the players themselves. Um, but again, even, even looking at it from the coaching perspective, by going with a script of some sort, no one's saying don't have prompts. No one's saying don't have ideas or, you know, um, pictures that you want to see occur in your sessions but don't be limited to making those pictures and those images um absolutes for yourself because 
you've only got one perception of the game. Your players might have something completely different. You know, even even coming down to how you pitch your questions or how you pitch your sessions. So I'll give you an example of that. Working with a, a coach recently and he asked the question is, you know, what, what part of the foot would you use to strike the ball? And I said, you know, it's not that your question is wrong, but your question is limiting. If you replace that would with a could, then you get a lot more about the you know the creativity and the freedom of uh, freedom of expression for what the players actually would come up with, without directing it in a way where subtly, by saying would rather than could, you've suggested that there is there is there is one way of doing it. So, you know, there's a there's a lot to kind of uh, go on there, but you know, a bit of a ramble. No, but really detailed, really detailed, because again, it it's not semantics; it's actually really important, like. You're not being well. It's semantics, isn't it? But the choice of the word in a good way—it's not being problematic. You're actually being really purposeful in your language. Can offer more opportunities for action, which is key. So I think even as a old concept, based on what we've talked about, is that can we allow for more freedom for players versus you know limiting them in any way? And it comes back to that one of the big points you made in there, which is. The game isn't scripted. The game is forever changing, random, unpredictable, chaotic. So if we know that's the game, then the scriptedness piece probably doesn't prepare them for what the game is. So it's it's brilliant. Love it. No, most definitely. I mean, I guess you know, from from your perspective, you know, and this kind of leads into one of the other topics that we've talked about before and maybe even moves into a further topic about that we can unpack in the future. But when you're going into a session, what are some of the steps that maybe you consider taking or you think about or you've taken in the past that avoid you from having a quote-unquote scripted session, if you like? Well, I think one is probably I like to plan my vocab. But also, like the practices, I'll practices where it's not that you're bouncing around, but you've got flexibility within that framework of a session to move at the speed of the players. So I'll have a practice design, which I know will allow me the opportunity that I can make it even more challenging or less challenging. But equally, I'm in the same area. So I'm not having to reset up new activities. I'm not, and that's with anyone. Whether I was working with PDP, whether I was working with Foundation Phase, whatever grassroots professional, it doesn't matter. That I work within an area, and I know that based on my my use of cones, my use of equipment, where I've got the goals, the transition time between one activity to the next is is very small. And that's good because it allows me, it affords me the opportunity that if I need to spend more time on something than or something else or skip something and go straight to, you know, I might have had a practice that I was going to do later on in the session, but actually I can bring it forward. I don't need to go through step A, B, C, D to get to E. You know what I mean? If we've achieved what we want to achieve and actually that's better. Um, people might say that proves that your planning is wrong, but not necessarily because players can sometimes surprise you or you might notice that you need to spend more time on something else than other things. So typically, whenever I'm going into a session, I'll always think about the what if. I really think like, what if, what what could go wrong, what could go well? Where else can I go with this? 
whether that means staying on on that particular task or if I need to deviate slightly. At least then I've got that flexibility then. And then, of course, and it probably helps, obviously, the more years you coach, you've got more in terms of your session library and your brain, right? Where you know you can do things and you can pull things out of the hat. That takes time to build that up. I think one thing to help people is being really, how well are you good at delivering, you know, certain practices, but like the same practices over and over again, where it's just minute little tweaks here and there but you're working on very similar principles. I think that's interesting. And, you know, no matter whether it's an attacking principle, defending principle, whatever it is, you can do the same sort of practice designs, but get out different outcomes depending on how you you tweak it or spin it. I think that's good because then what you become is you become almost like an expert in that particular uh, activity or set of activities. You know, I don't have a million and one exercises but I've got very clear practices that I use quite regularly and I'll tweak them slightly to get out different principles. But as a result, I know that if I do this or if I move the goals here and I incentivize this rule, the trade-off is this, but then the consequence is this. So I'll, I'll have that in my mind and I'll know there's been certain practices that I've done where they've worked incredibly well, but then I've tried them with a more advanced group and players cheat, don't they? They're cheating buggers. So they'll find ways to break the rule. <laughs> they'll find ways to test you. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, crap. You know, they've figured out a way to, to cheat the game and they've figured this out. Well, that's good because now you've going to have to figure out a better way of, you know, making it more challenging, maybe changing the rules. Speak to the players because they're clever. Players will be able to give you good ideas of, you know, how to make something more challenging for certain groups. Um, and then again, it evolves over time, doesn't it? A hundred percent. I'm so glad you mentioned that as well because it's it's it's, it's not just players. I mean, uh, we as human beings, we're always looking for shortcuts where possible, and not in a malicious way, but it is what it is. So it's almost like, <laughs> as a coach, how many of the shortcuts have you prepped for? Um, but also looking at the scripted pieces, recognizing have have you considered what actually has an impact on the outcomes of these things? And if you don't see them, what, what the major things are? Cause and what I mean by that is, you know, I tell coaches all the time when I'm approaching a session, as an example, if I'm looking at something that's in possession, um, how much time am I, uh, am I spending actually looking at just what's happening around the ball and the fact that, okay, I want to work on, on passing as an example, or you want to work on passing, but if, um, the ability for players to receive, or rather the other way around, I want to work on receiving as an example, but if the ability for the players to pass and recognise the detail of the pass, the weight of the pass, the accuracy of the pass, isn't aligning well with what's needed in that moment to be able to receive it effectively and do whatever it is that they want to do with it, then you're sitting there focusing on the receiver, but actually the thing that's breaking it down for you is the pass, and it's I think sometimes you can be so scripted in the way that you actually design your practice and what you're paying attention to that you can negate to look at those things. And that, that, that's kind of one of the key things that really kind of, you know, jumped out at me when, when, when this topic came to mind in particular. Love it. Absolutely love it. It just poses the question, doesn't it? Which is, no matter, you know, based on what we're designing, how much are we 
affording creativity or potentially reducing creativity, depending on the language that we use or the rules that we, we introduce or induce on the players. So it's a great one for coaches just to think about. Because, I mean, for me, language is a big one. Language is huge. And there's a lot of examples throughout this where you've given example to where certain coaches have said certain things and how it can take away from them, the players coming up with their own solutions or being limited on what solutions, what choices they can search for. I think language is a huge part to play because it brings our game to life. But we've also got to know what language really resonates with the players. What's their language? It can't just be jargon. It's got to be football language. But it's got to mean something to the players. It's got to paint a clear picture in the mind of the player. And I think that's that's something that we can always explore more. I think you're spot on. And a great example of that, you know, something like, you know, when I'm looking at um, stuff like scanning as an example, even just body shape and positioning. One of the things I, you know, I like to use a lot, you know, I think more specific because this is how I look at the game. Okay, it's interesting. I was, I was working with a coach the other day, and he said to me, you know, as, you know, when you're when you're when you're planning your sessions or when you're delivering a session, what goes through your mind? And I literally, I responded. I, I said, actually, I just see loads of cartoon images. <laughs> literally, I just literally see loads of cartoon images. No matter what I'm looking at, um, everything turns into a little cartoon image for me. So it's almost like. When I'm talking to players about picking up effective body shapes and body positions, what's in my head? I said to him, I think about a fish. And they said, what? I said, yeah, I think about a fish. Because if you look, if you think about it from this perspective, um, fishes don't look, sh- fishes can't look ahead. They look to the side. So they've got their eyes on the side of their, their, their heads. So what I try and encourage players to then do is, right, if you can have one eye looking at where the ball's coming from and one eye looking towards where you want to take it, um, but those eyes, in your case, are the shoulders. So one shoulder looking at where the ball's coming from, one shoulder being able to see where you want to take it. Can you be that fish? And now all of a sudden, it's just like it hits them. Um, obviously, I wouldn't use that with an adult. I'd use something different, but the concept stays the same. It's like looking at language that fits with that age group, and it it just made me think. Right, what you know when I when I'm actually thinking about all the technical detail and all the tactical information that goes within it. <clears throat> I really find myself now in a situation where I don't relate it to an image of some sort. And sometimes the players are looking at me thinking like, what the hell are you talking about? But actually, once I unpack it with them, they're like, you know what, that makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. I get it. Yeah. Fish eyes. Why not? I was smiling because, but I actually don't mind it. I think it's quite a cool. Again, talking about painting a picture in the mind of the, the person. I had a very clear picture there. Um, I think that's actually pretty cool. And it, it just reminded me of the examples that I've even heard, like, with Pete Sturgis, or you probably heard him as well, and Paul McGuinness, where they talk about the revolving door and talking about that. So I think all these little things, anything that we can use which is playful or use of analogies or whatever, that's actually pretty cool because, again, it just allows for more exploration. 100%. I think the beauty of it as well is you can paint a picture for them, but they're going to still see it their own way. So where I'm seeing a little cartoon picture of Nemo because it's the toy that my kid plays with, they're thinking of, I don't know, something different. Um, and that, But, 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 they get, but they, the, they're getting the moral of the story, if you like. And I think that's the key piece. It's, it's not letting them see it exactly as you see it. It's not you know directing them to have the exact same images and um, perceptions that you've got. But it's also actually developing their understanding to the point where, look, here's a good framework to start with. 
if you can get this key message and you can build on it in your own ways and great. Um, but what does that look like for you? So, you know, what might be next for the fish? What could the fish do differently? And if it wasn't a fish, what else would it be that might make you, that might help you see more of the bitch? I said, well, actually, I might want to be, I don't know, a lighthouse. I want to be the light on the lighthouse. I want to be constantly looking around and making sure there's light everywhere on the sea. I don't know what the hell have they come up with. But again, you see where my, my mind's going. I've just got loads of different cartoon images in my head. I'm just thinking about Scooby-Doo and an episode of Scooby-Doo now. <laughs> Scooby-Doo, I love it. Maybe that's my life, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I'm curious. I'm curious if there's any questions from anyone in the group, right? In terms of because there's, there's a lot there that's been shared. I'm curious how this resonates with with people listening, or if there's any disagreements or different perspectives. You know, if anyone has anything else they want to add, or even just beyond that, just adding if there's anyone here that feels that they do go down the path sometimes of actually having scripted sh- uh, sessions. Um, and what some of the challenges are that that you that you think about in terms of how how you can potentially move away from it, and what's stopping you from moving away from it being so scripted? Because I know a lot of coaches say, "Well, we go to scripted session because it's easier for the players to understand." Or well, is it really? I'm not too sure. Um, it, whereas I think for me, and I think this comes back to a conversation we had recently as well, G, in that for the coach to almost throw the script away comes a level of vulnerability and that vulnerability can open you up to questions that you might not have prepared for because you don't yet have that knowledge or you haven't yet considered it but I think that is where coaches need to kind of be more comfortable in embracing that situation putting themselves in a position where they are vulnerable putting themselves in a position where they do recognize I don't have all the answers and I think it's such a fantastic place to be in um, in terms of developing, not just for themselves, but for the players as well. Because then the players, I think, you can naturally, because of that vulnerability piece, you can build a real connection with the players and they can understand that you guys are on this journey together. I don't know, that's just a, a bit of a side note, but yeah. Johnny, talk to us, man. How are you, how are you this evening, man? You there, John? Yeah, I'm coming through, boys. Got you oh, now, man. Talk to us. I'm, I mean, I'm, you've caught me out starting early. I was running around singing the Mo Salah song and I realised you just jumped online. So apologies for missing the start. Um, like in the fish analogy, guys, I mean, I'd go for a hammerhead shark myself. But, I mean, maybe that just says more about me than you, you know. Uh, I, I'm just thinking about what is success? So I'm I'm listening to you, listening to it, and I'm thinking I'm delivering a I'm delivering a scripted session. What is success? Is it getting all the way through the session and being happy with the session at the end, or is that distorting the focus on maybe stopping it at some point and not moving on? What what's success if I was delivering a scripted session for you two? So John, just just so I can um, really get clarity on the on the on the question, would you mind just repeating it one more time? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to have in my head. I'm delivering a scripted session, and I've delivered it all on time. It's all worked. But the question is, like, what is success? Is success that I've completed the session? 
and and is my focus just the session, or how do I know that the players have got something out of it? Like it's, I'm just trying to get like the success success part from it. I've said six three hundred yeah. times now, so hopefully that's come across. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, for me, um, there's two key parts in this. So it's all well and good having your scripted session, all well and go, you know, going with it and making sure you're hitting the time timestamps correctly and everything like that. However, I think the key bit for me is what are your outcomes? Do you know what you want to see? And I think one of the first things I say to all coaches when they're not planning and delivering a session is if they achieved what you wanted them to achieve at the end of it, what would that look like in terms of what they're able to do? So that's the first point for me. What would it look like in terms of what they're able to do if they were to be successful in achieving the outcomes that you set for them? That's the first one. But then I also then extend that and say, right, what does that look like for each practice that you put in? Um, and then question it further by asking coaches, well, for each practice you've got, you've put in, you've got these outcomes and what they might look like. How many of those practices are actually needed to differentiate these outcomes? So in other words, do I need three practices? Do I need four? Or can all of these be achieved within one? Um, because again, coming back to that vulnerability piece and something that we spoke about recently in, in the last couple of weeks around, you know, coaches having an ego needing to have control over the session, it's almost if there is a practice that allows you to get multiple outcomes in it, coaches will still sometimes revert back to just focusing on one key outcome and then say, right, we're going to move on to the next practice to get the next outcome and the next practice to get the next outcome and so on and so forth. And really, there's no need for that. It can all be achieved within one practice and it might be different outcomes for different players within it at any given moment. But I think what the key thing is, context is key, obviously. Recognising how, how, how well do you know the players, how long have you been working on them, where on that journey are you with them. However, what are the, what, what are the possible outcomes that could occur that would allow you to say, actually, these players have understood this? So building on that second part of your question is, getting clarity and what I mean by that is getting clarity from the players for them to be able to explain, relay and describe back to you or even demonstrate back to you physically what it is that you had set as an outcome. I think many coaches and I see it all the time, three worst phrases that you can use in coaching. Do you understand? Have you got it? And then the last one, this is the best one, right? Let's crack on. Why are we cracking on for? We don't even know what the players know yet. You ask the players, do you get it? They say yes. What happens next? You get back to playing and they still haven't got it. You ask the players, do they understand? They say yes. What happens next? You get back to playing and they still haven't got it. Then at the end of the session, like I gave an example earlier, you get to the end of the session, right? Who can explain back to me what we did today? How are we going to use what we did today in the game? Actually, coach, I've got no idea what we did the whole session. I just know that this is the word that you used. But for the coach themselves, taking the time to unpack it and get that clarity. So what does that look like? Well, success for me looks like, right, Johnny, we're working on X, Y, Z today. Can you explain back to me what your key takeaways were? Now, I don't really care what your key takeaways were at this stage because all I'm interested in is finding them out. Once I find them out, then I can build on top of that. 
I have to know where I'm starting from before I can continue that journey and finish that journey. You know, your Tom Tom isn't going to just, you know, if you're mid, if you're in the mid, you know, on the M25, your Tom Tom isn't going to start your journey from the M1. It's going to have to know where your journey's starting from to get you to your end goal. Same thing with coaching. You need to know where the players are at. So the first thing you need to be doing is before you even see clarity. So even before you even set up your scripted session is get clarity on where the players are actually at. Not just in terms of your perception and your in your in your observations of them, but actually where are they telling you they're at? Where are they showing you they're at based on their understanding of what it is? And don't be fooled or misguided as a coach in looking at what your players are able to do and assuming that they understand it. Because there are so many players out there that can perform a technique, they can perform an action, they've been able to do maybe what it is that you're hoping that they can do. But because they don't understand it, they're not able to recreate it on demand, if you like. And I think that 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 is probably um, a bit of a ramble, but hopefully gives you some context in how I, how I view it. I don't know about yourself, G. No, I'm listening really intensively because I, I just think as well that you don't you don't even need to be able to always verbalise it, do you? Just to, to show that you're understanding because you will get sometimes though, there's players who can't necessarily articulate how to do something or why to do it, but hopefully in the game they can do it. And I've had a lot of players over the years where they can actually do it. They just can't, you know, it'd be almost like going up to a Virgil van Dijk or... Taught, you know, I was watching an interview actually, an even better example. I was watching an interview with Jack Grealish, and normally he's quite good at articulating um, why Pep might want him to do certain things or whatever. I was watching an interview on Sky Sports, and he was actually struggling to explain some of the movements or some of the reasons why he'll do what he does. But the fact is, he can do it. He's a highly skilled professional. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't mean he doesn't understand. So there's always just playing devil's advocate. There's that other side of it. But I agree with you. I think I, the point think is that, on. again, just... maybe a better question for you is what what versus a coach saying makes sense. Does that make sense? Or saying, do you understand? What what else could they do to check for understanding other than getting the players to explain the rules or explain or show them? What other things could they do to check for understanding? And I'm applauding there because it's, it's, it's a fantastic question. But just before I get to that, I want to talk about that Grealish piece. Now, players might be able to do something, right? But the way I see it is this. The first level is the what. The players recognising what, what you want them to do. The players have actually been able to deliver on it. The second level is the players understanding the how. So Jack Grealish understands whatever that is in that context. And I haven't got the full context, but I'm assuming yeah. that he, he, he knows what they're referring to. He knows what they're talking about. He's understanding how to do it, and he's actually able to recreate it. The third layer on top of that is the real is, is is the why. Now, I believe it's the why piece which makes it stick for the players. If he understands the why, he will probably become even better at doing it because he will now recognize the right time to do it because of the reasons to do it. Whatever that may be, and that's whether that's a, a particular type of run, a particular type of pass, a particular type of feint or, or shimmy or dummy or whatever it may be in the game. Coaches, in my opinion, especially at grassroots environments, typically, and even, at, even in elite environments, you know, academies, if you like, 
it's too surface just around the what. Some coaches manage to get to the how, but very few, in my opinion, really get to the why. And it's the why that's going to be the transformational piece, in, in my opinion. So that, that's the first part. Um, in regards to your second question, how do they get around the, 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 the whole idea of using things like, do you understand or do you get it? Well, again, it's in a conversation I was having just today, actually, with another coach. And it, the same question came up. I said, well, how do you avoid that? I said, well, you need to think about what it is that you actually want to find out. Yes, in theory, yes, you, we know you want to find out, do they understand? But asking them, do they understand, doesn't tell you anything. Getting them to show you what they understand might give you a picture. Getting them to explain to you what they understand might give you a picture. So, in short, what does it look like? Rather than asking, do you understand? Your better question is, is anyone unsure? Is anyone sure about anything I've said? Is anyone unsure about anything I've spoken about? Um, another way to do it is, who's, who, who has any questions about what I've just said? Questions that lead them to actually having to interact and, in, and have a dialogue with you about what's just happened, about what's just been said, about who's, who should be involved, about anything around their perceptions of what that is. And if, if they do say, um, if you do want to start with the question or you do fall into the habit of slipping out with, okay, do you understand? And they say, yes. Okay, brilliant. So can you explain that to me then? Follow it up with the, can you explain that? Or can you show me? Is anyone here confident enough to show me what I'm looking for? Is anyone here have any ideas as to why I might do that? Has anyone here got any, um, you know, ways that we might be able to get the same outcome in a different way? This really, you know, these these type of questions where you're going to start to really unpack their knowledge, their understanding of not only what you've just said, but how you could potentially build on it and get more from it, if that makes sense. Johnny, I see you've got your hand up there. Go for it, man. Yeah, I just, I'd love more just on this point you two are getting at. So could I get suggestions of like um, on the session plan in the top corner, I'm going to put like a key reminders bit in terms of getting feedback out of the players. So say I've written down, you know, intensity of the session, I need to focus on it, quality of the session, decision-making or size and numbers, you know, that, that sort of thing. Is there any little wee two, three word triggers that I could, that anyone could write down on a session that would just a quick look and then back to it. Again, sorry to sorry to have to do this. Just want to really make sure I get clarity in the question. Would you mind just repeating it one more time so I can just really understand it? Yeah, man, not not a problem at all. I'll try and get it right this time. I love the I love the coach Ed talk when folk are actually saying I don't understand you, but you frame it in such a lovely way, Yaz, that it makes me feel better. It's really nice. I need to teach the misses it. Um, so I just need to. I'm just thinking of keywords. So you're talking about, you know, getting feedback from the players in your session, questions you ask or things you see. So are there things I can write down that would remind me to ask questions or remind me to look for certain triggers within the session? So um, anything like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of writing things down, although I know I should do it. I just I'm I'm a bit lazy like that. Um, I don't like carrying things around. However, some of the questions that I would definitely think about um, using in those in that context would be, right? Have I been able to achieve my outcome? What was I trying to achieve? 
what has impacted on that? Is there anything that I was not in control of which impacted on my ability to achieve that outcome? Now, it doesn't point to any one direction, but what it does do is allow you and your place to start to assess and be aware of, right, where could this have broken down? So I'll give you an example of that. You know, I mentioned earlier about the the example of uh, working on someone with their receiving, but actually it's the past letting them down. I spoke to a coach the other day about this. You know, he said he's trying to teach his players how to receive on the back foot. I said, okay, brilliant. Why do you want your players to receive on the back foot? And, you know, he said, oh, well, it allows them to go towards goal. I said, well, technically speaking, it doesn't because it's all contextual. It depends on where the player is actually positioned. And if you then break down the concept of what, you know, what the differentiation between the front and the back foot actually, you know, people might see it differently. But the way I see it is just the back foot is the ball, that's, is, the, is the foot that's furthest away from the ball, regardless of where it is. It's got nothing to do with where the goal is or, or where on the pitch you are. Where the ball is coming from, my back foot is the one that's furthest away. Simple as that. Now, let's just imagine we go with his his analogy or his, his, his theory and his perception that the back foot is the one that leads you closest to the opposition goal. Fine. If the ball is continuously be playing, being played to my front foot in that case, it almost becomes unrealistic and um, detrimental in some cases to actually try and keep receiving it on my back foot. Rather than examining that, it's, well, actually, let's look at that. The first question, what, 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 what's the outcome that I'm trying to achieve? Well, I'm trying to play on my back foot. Okay, brilliant. So what's impacting on that? Well, the impact on that, what's impacting on that? It could be the, the opposition players. It could be the space. Or actually, quite simply, it could be the, it could be the type of pass I'm receiving or the quality of that in terms of where it's going, how fast it's coming in. And if it is going into my back foot, if it's, if it's under hit, I'm never going to get it on my back foot. Because typically, if I was working with a player receiving on the back foot, I'll be, I'll be asking the player who's passing it, right, can you feed them into the back foot with a bit more pace where, yes, it's going towards their back foot, but in some cases, if the space allows it and time and time is there, they don't actually have to take a touch. They can actually have a no-touch turn and go straight through on to wherever they want to go. Now, it's a very brief snapshot about about that, that that example, but hopefully that gives you some context as to what I'm looking at in that respect. Um, I don't know if you want to respond to that before Gerard jumps in. No, I, I mean, before Gerard comes in, do you do you not carry anything because you're busy dragging the kids across the park to stick them in position? You know. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's a, good, it's a good question, but I think it comes back to what I said earlier. I think coaches who have a scripted session typically there's a need for control, a need for knowing exactly what's going to happen and, and and what that looks like. Whereas I think if you coach vulner, cultural vulnerability, um, you'll understand that you don't have all the answers. But you'll also understand that because I'm being vulnerable, because I don't have all the answers, I need to go and do more to seek it. I need to go do more to find out what's possible and what's not possible. And you're never going to know everything. But what I do, what I've learned from the game is that there's only so many things that do occur. And it's just being aware of what those uh, core things are and what the key variables are that impact on those things. So I don't know if that kind of answered your question. So in short, I don't really know. I don't carry anything. Um, in fact, I don't really plan my sessions either, if I'm being honest with you. I just know what the outcome is that I'm looking for. And the things that, you know, like I said, I've examined enough around the things that could have an impact on it. And I guess one tip I would give you that I think a lot of coaches fall into the, into the habit of is, spending too much time focusing on what's happening on the ball 
looking and literally ball watching rather than observing. You know, coaches tend to spend too much time looking at where the ball is, who's involved on the ball, and not actually recognizing actually the ball. The ball is just a very small part of what's happening in the game. Body positioning is key. Distances are key. Angles are key. Um, uh, you know, numerical superior, superiority in certain areas of the pitch are key. Um, quality of the pass is key. Surface that we're using to to make certain passes key. All the finer detail that goes into making these bigger things happen, which sounds like a lot to think about, and it probably is. That you know, when you, it, it probably can be quite daunting when you first kind of embark on this. Um, this landscape of finer detail, if you like, but there's so much in there that I think it's almost your duty as a coach to identify what those variables are, whether dependent or independent of the ball, the individuals, or the team that you're playing against. You know, I was uh, very quickly before you know let Gerard jump in. I was watching a session earlier where a coach was uh, wanted to work on he um, wanted to work on a particular thing, and he said, "Well." Um, I'm going to progress it. And I said, okay, why are you going to progress it? Are you seeing, coming back to what you said, are you seeing, are you seeing success? And he goes, yeah, I've seen some, sometimes they get, you know, sometimes they're doing what I want them to do. Sometimes they're not. I said, so well, how much is enough for you to say it's success and how much is enough for you to say it's not? And he couldn't answer the question. All he could say was, yeah, I've, you know, I've seen, I've seen some, I've, I've seen them do it sometimes. Um, so I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and progress it. So yeah, but if you haven't seen it enough and if it's not consistent enough across the group, and more specifically, has the success that you've seen come from the same player again, or the same couple players again, or has it been in uh, in small portions across the group? If that makes sense. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, you get a very different observational outcome. Sorry, G. No, lots of good stuff. All I was gonna add was. Because obviously, I think trigger words are, you know, the question was asked, is there anything you could write down or say or whatever? And I think sometimes, um, I know this isn't where you were going, but just something to share is we can have these words. And I'm big on words where I'll have one word or two words, but it it paints a a thousand type of thing. But then players become very clever at regurgitating information, don't they? So sometimes we'll try and check for understanding, but they'll regurgitate terminologies that we use because they'll to them that they're just repeating what the coach wants to hear doesn't necessarily mean they understand it just means it's low level thinking skills so i think any questions that we can ask where it's not necessarily a closed question or a yes or a no answer but one in which there's more there's more answers there's more they've got to put more words to the sentence i think that's when you'll start to you know the how the why where when what um that'll start to elicit more check for understanding or more high level thinking. There was one thing I was thinking, I don't know if you want to try it, Johnny, or anyone listening, is recently I've been playing around with shapes. So obviously a triangle, I, I sort of did it as a triangle as uh, three points and a square and then a circle. And we just drew these shapes on the whiteboard and the triangle represented what were the three points that have stood out to you that you could check for understanding. It could be a checkpoint during the session or it could be a checkpoint at the end. Well, the three main points are up to three points that you could, that have made sense. Squared is what's been squared off. So what have we closed off on today? What are the main messages that we've squared off on that we've really focused on? 
and circle, we use that as like what's still swirling around that doesn't make sense. And I found it really useful because like, for example, with the square and the circle, I did this with older kids. I've done it with the younger ones. The younger ones love it. The square and the circle, they actually told me how much that they didn't make sense or how many more questions that they have that are still swirling around. And I was thinking, wow, that's interesting. So we might assume that something's made sense or they've got it, and actually it hasn't. So that could be something that people could try. You know, try a circle, try a square, because you might think we've squared off on something and they come up with a completely different answer. And that wasn't what we were talking about, potentially, or not. Um, or they might say, you know, we've worked on this, we've worked on this, this makes sense, good. That's aligned with what you were hoping for. But then the circle piece is what's still swirling around that you're not sure about. And for one of our players, it was relating to his positioning. He normally plays as an eight. And he struggles big time on knowing, like, at what point do I come out of this position? At what point do I press? Like, am I allowed to press players in this area? Do I go here? He was just confused. Um, and it was probably because of the design of the practice and what the coach was saying to him that's caused more confusion. So for him, there was a lot of things swirling around. Um, and again, that was useful for me because I could use that as feedback with the coach at the end saying, even just the simplest, not just what you say, but think about the rules of the practice and your design and how you restricted where the midfielders could move to, how that relates to what you want them to do or not want them to do in a game. And that was like a good reflection piece for that coach. So, Because often we, we design these things in practices, but is that what we actually want them to intend to do on a, on a Sunday? And if it's not, why are we doing it? Johnny, does that give you clarity? Absolutely, boys. I'm, I'm all over. I like that wee bit, Gerard, as well. Nice way of maybe removing a bit of fear or worry from the players as well. Maybe a wee bit tentative in asking questions or putting a hand up. I think just to add to that as well, you know, I think the key thing is, well, a lot of players, it's not just players, even us as people, as coaches as well, you know, when we first get asked questions, we, we straight, straight away assume it's negative. Um, and certainly from my experience, if you can start to, you know, you start to just really um, settle that environment as one where, you know, we, we, everything's in collaboration. Everything's about learning. I want to learn about you as much as I want to learn about the game. Um, so these questions are not to catch you out, but these questions are to support me in my understanding of where you're actually at on this journey. And what I've found um, in my experience is sometimes you need to actually just do that on an individual level sometimes. Let them understand that that's what it's about. Let them understand that, you know, I'm not trying to catch you up. And it doesn't even always have to be in front of everyone else. So it might even be really paying attention to certain players and saying, right, okay, when I said this or when I said something, their face went a little bit confused or they had a confused expression or they had a certain expression. And it might be that you ask that question and they still don't come up, come up with anything in front of everyone else. But if you maybe pull them aside for a second, say, no, just out of curiosity, and I noticed that you looked a bit um, confused or you had a bit of an expression in your face when I said this. What, why was that? And really pay attention to the information that you're giving, but when it lands and who it's landing with and potentially if it hasn't landed in a way that you maybe would have expected, you might, you might see something that you weren't expecting to. 
lack of lack of not facial facial expression, lack of facial expression of confusion or um, complete surprise or uh, or you know I'm sure you've seen it at times when maybe you you said something to a player or you've had a question with a player and they've you know it's just made sense to them and all of a sudden like yeah I get that like they almost feel empowered by the fact that they now get it in the same way that we the you know that you get those players that look empowered when they get it. You're going to get players on the opposite end of the spectrum. So that's that's what I would say. I think, you know, just look for that clarity and get yourself as much clarity on what that is. And, yeah, just 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 keep asking those questions and setting that environment for them. And be a fish. <laughs> I'm loving the image, mate. Outrageous. <laughs> Just thought it'd add add a bit a bit of lighthearted humour to the conversation, man. Um, Johnny, hopefully that answers your questions. And anyone else got any questions that you want to kind of uh, bounce off in in regards to this topic and anything that we said so far? I don't think there's anyone else, man. I think they're just all in awe of the fish, Gerard. I think so too. No, but ultimately, a lot of things that have come out, which is moving at the speed of the player, moving at the speed of the player. what else? You know, having flexibility within a within a framework, if you like, of knowing that we can plan stuff, but actually we've got freedom where we can adapt based on what, who's in front of us or what's going on in front of us. Not being too scripted ourselves. Um, I mean, there's loads there, isn't there? Language is a big piece that's come out today. The, the importance of the vocab that we use and how that can shape intentions for players. So I think all these things are, are big rocks, aren't they? Most definitely, I think another key word for me is vulnerability. Recognizing you don't have every every answer in the book, um, and sometimes your players have got better answers than you have, and sometimes they've got answers you've never even considered. So I think really, really um, sit sit firmly on that belief that actually players have the answers just as much as you have, and if you're on that journey together, there's a lot more that can come from it. Um, but gee, this might be a good opportunity for just to kind of give everyone an insight around the webinar we're putting up next week. Yeah, this is going to be a great opportunity because we're, we're doing a webinar around feedback. Effectively, um, I mean, the academic way would, would be like augmented information, which means anything that's external from information that they would have received internally. So it's external information, feedback, how, how, how you can use that to guide players' search for solutions. So how are you using your coaching feedback, your interventions, or language, the vocabulary you use to guide the decision-making of the players? Or not, as the case may be, because there might be certain terminologies that we're using that, in actual fact, will reduce the the ability of players to the environment. Uh, it may induce more of an internal focus of attention versus an external and various other things that we'll, we'll explain and unpack. I would recommend it because, you know, not only it's an area that's, you know, big passion of mine, but coaching by verbal communication is probably one of the biggest coaching behaviours that's demonstrated by coaches. And yet it's one of the most inefficient Use it's not necessarily the, the most effective or the most efficiently used intervention. So, how can we become even better at how we communicate, knowing that coaches like to talk? So, how can we get better at what we say and how we say it to, to guide where players are, are looking for information? 
So that that's what we're going to be sort of unpacking next next week. Highly recommend it. Um, make sure you tune in. It'll be on Sunday, right, Yaz? And again, this will build up on all the other information that we're we're sort of deep diving into. Definitely, just to kind of build on that. So that's next Sunday at eight o'clock. Uh, is it? You know, next Sunday at seven o'clock. Apologies, Sunday the twenty third of October. Um, you can register. It's on Eventbrite, or you can just drop myself or Joe a DM directly, and we can send you the link. Um, it was initially going to be free to register, but now you can register for a li- as little as a pound in donation. Um, it's just to cover our time and cost of running the webinar. But we're literally just, as we are with these spaces, just looking to share content, help coaches get better, and so we can continue to build this community that we're building. Um, and ultimately, just help players get better too. So, you know, I really look forward to seeing you guys there. If you're interested in being there, um, please feel free to just make sure you stay in touch with us, follow us, make sure you're following both of us, listen to the podcast as well. There's a lot of content out there. Um, that's free for you just to tap into. But myself and Gerard have got several webinars that we're planning across the next few months um, and potentially even looking forward towards a, a live event in, in, in the early part of next year. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, and just a final uh, really quick one on the webinar as well for anyone that does attend. You'll also be awarded um, a CPD hours um, if you are based in England, if you've got a fan number as well. So make sure you get in touch, get those CPD hours in, continue to network with us and grow your grow your coaching community. Gerard, I don't know if you want a quick sign-off around where people can find you and get in touch with you if they want to find out more. No, great stuff. So again, you've got Twitter handle, you can click on it, Gerard underscore Jones. And, uh, you know, really look forward to deep diving into next week's webinar with everyone. Awesome. And same here, guys. You can just, uh, you know, hit me a follow, Coaches Net on Twitter or the Coaches Network on Instagram. Um, drop us a message. Let us know your thoughts. And anyone, anyone's got any feedback regarding tonight as well, that would be amazing. Until next time, guys, look after yourselves. Take care and have a great rest of the weekend. See you soon. Bye. Well, there you have it guys, another episode of the Coaches Network Podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time guys, take care.